0: The mic outside the mic the mic outside the mic
1: hello and welcome. It is Outside the Mic. I am Jared Weimer. I'm Martin Meyer. This is a podcast where we banter all matters music. Mostly we do. How'd you like that? You did good. You you were just right behind me. That was was profesh. Uh, Except I had a weird little accent. I don't know why I did that. I was like,
0: and I'm Martin Meyer. It sound kind (laughs) of like that.
1: And I'm Martin Meyer. And today we're going to talk about Bush's baked beans. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that
0: didn't come to mind at all, but I decided this time, I've been kind of just being goofy all the time in the beginning, and who so was were, I? Was I was, no, not Cat Stevens. I was, you were DJ uh,
1: Mel. I was DJ, DJ Mel. DJ Mel.
0: I was, who was the other guy, the guitar player? I was Chet Atkins one day. Remember that? <laughs>
1: yeah. You but really I, aspire to be. I
0: did. But I did didn't want you <laughs> to. Ah, buzz me.
1: I would never buzz you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if I have the app anymore.
0: You don't have the app anymore. And I was going to ask, you know, we have all these little things that become part of the show. Yeah. And then they come in and out. They just weave in and out. I was just thinking of weave. That's it. Weave. Yeah.
1: Not to be mistaken for. uh, Isn't a weave like a wig? Yeah. Yeah. Can be. Not to be mistaken for a wig. I like your new hair weave, by the way. Thank you. (laughs) i tired, Jared. <laughs> No, I'm just trying to do... You were you were very uh, monotone with yeah. DJ Mail, so I was just trying to I gotcha. embrace that. I know you get And I'm coming off a little bit of a head cold, I think, but... Okay. I will be okay. Outside. As long as I
0: inspire you to something. You inspire me to do something every day. Can I go back just for a second? Sure. Um... I would like to think of it. That's a good way to think of it is weaving in and out of the show instead of just like these big gaping holes (laughs) in in the show, which almost did a snort there again, too, folks. Thank you, outsiders, for listening. And uh, that's a wrap. We've (laughs) had...
1: That is not a wrap. We've had a good season three. We have. We've had a lot of really intriguing episodes. Mm -hmm. We've had an interview. Yeah. With the possibility of more to come. There is We've done some different things this this season. We've got out of our little comfort zone. I think we did. And it's
0: interesting that we're, how are you on the, what's the jury on the morning thing? Because, you know, now instead of getting, you know, smashed with a whole bottle of Scott, uh, no, I'm just kidding. We didn't do that. <laughs> but we start
1: early in the morning. And I think that's I'm been... I'm fine with it. Good. I'm yeah. fine with it. I feel it does two things. What? We have that early morning kind of deep resonant. To our yeah. voices so it makes us sound more broadcasty mm-hmm. and two my brain is just foggy enough that i have that cool millennial angst in my voice wow yeah so it's like i'm a troubled soul but really i'm just a, a conceited millennial I swore I wasn't going to laugh too loud or snort
0: on the microphone, but you're making me laugh, Jared. The mille- Millennial Angst. I have not,
1: not heard of that. Live no, at the Palladium. Millennial angst. angst. With their hit song, Nobody Understands Me. And have you, you've you never heard this song because it's indie. <laughs> Nobody Understands Me. I bet there is a song
0: called <laughs> Nobody Understands Me. Uh, Do you probably. think? That would be the ultimate angst song. Why don't you ask Google Monday. Girl? I'm going to ask her that. And you can go on with the other thing. The I'll one thing home. I, I want to just say about morning is I got to tell you, sometimes this coffee, as soon as we turn on the record button, I'm like, oh no, it's starting to surge through my veins. You start to get a little bit of, the, <laughs> uh, in, yeah, yeah, in the
1: veins. That's exactly right. And how then, you then put I just got to go
0: back to ohm resolution.
1: You got to resolve it with a little ohm. Ding, 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 ding. Who remembers the episode,
0: ohm resolution? Go ahead start dialing up oh, the switchboards the switchboard up.
1: our our what's her name S- uh, studio assistant B- beverly we have to ask outsiders if they we can't remember who our made-up studio assistant this was. is going to be the but, test this yeah. is going to be the test outsiders yeah we know there's a good handful of you that are dedicated mm-hmm. that listen each week the first one because we're not going to do the work we're not going to go back and listen let's be honest the first one to comment on our Facebook page, the name of our studio assistant that we talked about. Mm-hmm. Neither of us can remember the name, and she's quite upset. She isn't,
0: and we lost her. I think at one point we started a rumor that she died. Yeah. But but then we just said we didn't know what happened to her. I th- I'm thinking it was Marianne. I don't know. Marianne? It seemed
1: like it started with an M. I want to say something. Was it Karen? Marilyn? Marilyn. No, it wasn't Marilyn. I don't oh, remember. I, First one to comment, we will send you something really cool. Yeah. Either a cool merch thing that we're working on or uh, a nice handwritten letter from Marty. Or a cake. Well, don't get too crazy. We're going to
0: do outside the mic. Can you bake? Cakes. I can't no, bake. No, I can't. Okay.
1: What was your song? Nobody Wants Me? Nobody Wants Me. and I've, Was it Nobody I'm, Wants Me? Have you ever heard of this Nobody song? It's me. indie. You probably haven't.
0: There is a song called Nobody Wants Me.
1: Really? Yeah. Right
0: here, it's a song by Norton Buffalo, but then there's also Nobody Wants Me lyrics. Ooh. Can I can I take a second to look that up? I, I don't care. Really quick. The trees were a sway into the songs that she was singing, sitting on the back porch of her country home. It's a country song. <laughs> uh, then the moon would start to glow, and the sob breeze start to blow, and she would sing the blues, but nobody would ever hear. And she'd sing, nobody wants me. They left me all alone. My mama's out drinking. My daddy's dead and gone. Oh, I didn't play your rhythm very right. good, right, but that was good. Job. <laughs> that's it. Well, you know, figures. That's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> What?
1: it well, up wants yeah. me. I'm dead and gone. There you have it. My memories haunt me, and my woman's not home. We're gonna have to listen to. Me. <laughs> we might have to cover this now, but right
0: away, that is the ultimate angst song. It says they left me all alone. My mama's out drinking, and my daddy is dead and gone. Oh, wow. golly! Now that I know how to phrase that, I could have done better. Dead and gone. There we go. <laughs> Alright, the ultimate angst. There okay, well there's nothing,
1: There's no uh, better opener than something with a little music, but we better get into it. We mm-hmm. are going to do On This Day in Music. Yeah! Woohoo! And I'm reading nothing but Beatles and Stones. No, please. I'm just kidding, we'll leave them out. They've had their spotlight. We're
0: Good. looking at
1: no. April 26th, 1969. Seems like we always start with 69 as well, but let's go for it.
0: It during does the, seem like that.
1: yeah. And that's the year of Woodstock, so that's kind of cool. Year of the stock. Yep. During the band's second North American tour, Led Zeppelin, listen, mm-hmm. yeah. played the second of two nights at the Winterland Ballroom in San Francisco, California. It was during this show that A Whole of Love was played live for the yeah. first time. Really? Yeah. Got
0: a whole lot of love. <laughs> that kind of ties in with our one of our stories today. But oh, go ahead. good.
1: And Led Zeppelin seems foresight, to sneak. <laughs> Not foresight, foreshadowing. No insight. No, what's the word? That's fores- foresight. I, you were right. Foresight. John, John I mean. Foresight. John Foresight. Johnny yeah. Appleseed. You got it. April 26, 1982 Two. out on a day's shopping. Rod Stewart was robbed by a gunman of his fifty-thousand-dollar Porsche on Hollywood Boulevard in Los Angeles, California. Yikes. You thought that was going to be a sweet story. He was out shopping. Obviously, he wasn't in the car at the time. Uh, he wasn't, you know. but they robbed it, and its value was $50,000. Back in 82. Yeah, yeah, you I can't get a new yeah. car for less than no. $50,000. Oh, poor Rod. Poor Rod. Just went out and bought a new one. Did you know? Not that this has
0: anything to do with what you just said, but you're used to that by now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> What was that? I don't know why it made me think I because think it was this day in music history, um, January tenth, nineteen no, I'm like two thousand twenty five. No, I'm kidding. Whenever this broadcast. <laughs> but you know when you did the story about Bob Dylan and his motorcycle accident? Oh, yeah. I forgot, and in my my quest to uh, my quest for knowledge about Woodstock, which I'm still currently enrolled in, uh he was living in Woodstock, New York at the time. Rod Stewart was? No. Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan. Okay. Bob Dylan. I wasn't sure who you we were. That's okay. fair. You don't, I didn't pay attention to you.
1: You don't pay attention to me. That's a yeah, Great about
0: Mike. Love no, you. I love you, man. Go ahead.
1: Here we go. Um, <laughs> I'm going to skip through. Uh, we'll read this one. Maybe I shouldn't. Here we go. I wonder if he ever got his Porsche back. He probably just bought a new one. April 26th, 1995.
0: Got to get my Porsche back.
1: Courtney Love reportedly turned down an offer of one million dollars from Playboy to pose nude for the magazine. What does that have to do with music? That's what I want to know. Well, Courtney Love. About well, Courtney was way you know, to hold true yeah. to your
0: your about val- your moral values. Yeah. Why am I forgetting his name all of a sudden? She's married to. From Nirvana, Kurt Cobain. Thank
1: you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, here, let's do a Nirvana. April 26, 1990, going back five years, Nirvana appeared at the Pyramid Club in New York City. The band's label sub-pop filmed the show, and the performance of In Bloom was later used as a promo clip.
0: What was the name of the club?
1: I'm sorry. I was trying to read it, and then my (laughs) voice is over here. Pyramid Club. the Pyramid Club in New York City. Oh,
0: what year did he... Did he and die? And his
1: life. Oh, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't remember either. It
0: we just talked later. about it I don't remember That's all
1: right. Yeah. Go on. All right, last one. Also not great, unfortunately. April 26, 2008, Amy Winehouse spent the night in custody after being arrested on suspicion of assault. Police said Winehouse had been in no fit state to be questioned when she arrived at the London station and she, she was kept in the cell... The 24-year-old was to be questioned about an incident said to have occurred three days earlier after a 38-year-old man claimed he was assaulted by Amy Winehouse.
0: Oh my, I thought it would just have to do with you yeah. know, with uh, drug use or indecent exposure
1: or <laughs> something sounds, crazy with sounds her sounds life. Like but like there was a little bit of that. Actually yeah. assaulted. Wow. Yep. yep That's kind of yep. crazy.
0: So I just quickly looked up, but now I can't find the story other than the fact, here you go. It did say the time Rod Stewart's Porsche was stolen at gunpoint, so he was oh, he actually was either entering, exiting the car, or in the car, and
1: uh, so somebody didn't just jump in the car and hotwire it when he was shopping. Do it your was... best Rod Stewart impersonation of how he might have handled that situation, <laughs> <laughs> Jared. That's maybe <laughs> too big. Of, okay. <laughs> I can't even think of his voice. <laughs>
0: He's uh, got a raspy voice. Yeah. It. I rock. I rock. Yeah. Here's a case. <laughs> don't have me no that was that was awful i'd have to i have to listen to somebody's voice before good
1: job well, let's do, wrap that up that's on this day in music we'll keep Maggie, that short today to say to you <laughs> for those interested in checking out a specific day you can check that out on thisdayinmusic.com. in music.com they've got a nice drop down feature box type in your date and you can see what happened on that day hmm. in music as well as who was born on that day in music that features also is on there <laughs> what i said sorry i had to read on a little bit and i said here's the keys yeah. That was my. It says,
0: Stewart, accompanied by his three year old daughter, Kimberly, and his secretary, Martha Baer, surrendered the car keys in an attempt to keep everyone safe. See, <laughs> I nailed him. I, mean, chap, keys.
1: I might not have had the <laughs> voice, yeah. but I knew what
0: Rod would you have done. You channeled your so inner Rod. He would give
1: up the car for his for his favorite ones he's like yeah, yeah we're fine don't hurt us All right. <laughs> I I got, sing you I've got I've got three more don't worry yeah I'm trying to think of one of his other
0: songs that I can't alright that was fun hey thank you you're welcome alright mini episode today part. again no I'm I'm not trying to quit this episode actually I'm just you can't quit it It's you can't quit me I can't quit you I
1: can't that
0: was bad we don't want to do that reference on our show.
1: Yeah. Today. Yeah. So what are you thinking today, Marty? What are we going to talk about? <laughs> well, Jarrett, it's
0: nice that you pretend that you have no idea what
1: You're we're going to right. talk about. you a little bit.
0: But I will, um, I don't know if we'll keep this in or not, because I'm just going to put a tiny teaser because you would mentioned more interviews. But I do want to at least touch upon the fact... Mm-hmm. For all of you out there that are wondering where Woodstock Part Two is, it is still coming. I did reference doing some more research. I finally, for the first time in my life, I got. I started watching the director's cut, which is much longer than the original film of the and Woodstock documentary. Of the Woodstock, oh, okay. the, the movie itself that was created from Woodstock, which is still the number one documentary really? of all time,
1: and it was it was film. filmed. In 69, just shortly at, after. At the concert. It oh, was, at the concert. Yeah, it was Ooh. all,
0: I mean, and then edited, but it's all footage from the concert. But anyway, I saw the actual, I didn't finish watching the director's cut, so I have watched the actual movie, which I'm surprised I've never seen in my life Yeah, to either. this point, but I'm glad that I have now. I was truly moved by it. It was, um, again, just such an epic, epic event. Did you and, cry? Um, I'll tell you later. Oh. I, cried, I got a little emotional, got a little verklempt. In the end, for sure. That means you had something in your throat. I did. No, I'm going to admit it. I was emotionally, I was moved, especially by Jimi Hendrix's performance. But there is, and I I can throw a name out there, and we did talk about that. We are hoping that there might, we might be able to get an interview from the associate producer. (gasps) That's all I'm going to say. Whoa. And in doing a little more research this week, and then I suddenly realized, as you texted me late last night, that you weren't sleeping well, and I wasn't either.
1: We kind of had a... uh... Uh, what do you call it when the when things align? A shared experience. No, there's a, a this there's is serendipitous.
0: Yeah, that's a little more cool word for it. Is that it. though?
1: I don't yeah. know if that's the right. word. I
0: think that's the right word. <laughs> and and I'm
1: proud of you, Jarrett. <laughs> we're sound. We're making it sound way more cooler than it was. <laughs> I couldn't sleep, and I texted Marty at 4 a.m. Hey, cool if we meet at eight tomorrow. Can't sleep. Yeah. And <laughs> and and I was up. I said same boat. I'm up. And it made
0: me realize that we didn't really have a lot of, uh, we didn't have a lot to go into this show with yet at this point. We hadn't talked all week. We both get our no. busy schedules. Yeah. So I started checking around. Did a little digging. Did a little digging. And one of the things that I saw, and then I mentioned this to you, and it turned out to be as usually is the case. Sometimes it ends up being even more interesting than we initially thought it might have been. Right. Right. I found something that said country music gave birth to what we now know as distortion, the very sound that fills every headbanger's brain to this day. And it says that an engineer named Glenn Snotty turned a blown transformer into distortion, and the original mistake can be found on country singer Marty Robbins' Don't Worry. That's the song, the name of the track. Wow. And he sold his new invention to Gibson Guitar in 1962 And the Maestro Fuzz Tone, the first ever guitar effects box, was born. Mm. Later,
1: this same tone would be used on a song called Satisfaction.
0: I can't get no... I was just going
1: to say, I know that... uh, Gosh dang it. Keith Richards used that pedal uh, early on in in their career. That's what I know about that section that you shared. So cool.
0: So yeah, Jared and I tried something a little bit different. So what we did is, is as we started... Uh, spending a little bit time of time trying to dive into this, we realize there's a lot of sort of debate and different theories about the origin and the history of distortion in music. Yeah. And so we're gonna kind of bounce our research off each other and see if we can't um, align to serendipitous. have some serendipitously align.
1: Yeah. There's oh, another word though. That's not it. But you're right.
0: Yeah, I like serendipitous. What's wrong with that?
1: No, it's a word that you say a lot. I do. You've said it before, and I'll think of it later. It'll be too late. But yes, this is this is really cool. As a guitar player, this conversation is great because... Serendipitous. Hi, Google girl. <laughs> she sounds so optimistic this I morning. I kind of missed her. Yeah. Will you tell your buddy Google boy to cram it? Serendipitous. Okay, thank you. So, we, could you ask her another question? Because I'm, I'm sure. thinking she wasn't paying attention. Google girl, what's your favorite holiday? Serendipitous. Huh? Uh, okay. Well. <laughs> She's not. She's just not. She's whipped. stuck.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Occurring. <laughs> I just love hearing her voice. I'm like, I don't have time to look something else up. I kind of missed her. We're her biggest fan. <laughs> Occurring are discovered by chance in a
1: happy or beneficial way. Okay. There. Sure. You go. So. so, distortion for me as a guitar player, yeah, that's a good place to start. Is is he, I mean, for I, for I think for any guitar player, when you think of effects or you think of of modifying your tone, your natural guitar tone, mm-hmm. that's kind of the first place people start playing with, I feel like. Especially in modern times now that everything is pretty much accessible through through digital stomp boxes or digital effects. I would say either distortion or reverb would be kind of the first place a young guitar player might explore with with sound.
0: Right. As he's trying to dial in <laughs> his, his right. sound that he wants to have. Or yeah. try
1: to mimic, you know, somebody famous who might who has a classic sound. I know for me, my first experience with distortion, young growing up, I was really into Angus Young and getting his tone because I, I enjoyed its he had a nice heavy. I don't want to say heavy metal, but like a heavy rock, big fat guitar sound, but yeah. yet very much blues influenced uh, his his playing and his style, and I really love that. I'm a big fan of blues, and I think that's why I resonated so much with Angus. But really, his distorted guitar was very much a clean. It wasn't a heavy saturated guitar it was very clean and i think i appreciated that and that comes from his influences like chuck berry and stuff like that who really Mm -hmm. and i'm going to touch a little bit on that in my in my little thing on this my little thing my little thing yeah um where that i feel like that was when when it really took off and i don't know what what you Or what you found out, but that's kind of where my head went right away when we started talking about this.
0: Well, and that makes sense. And I knew that was what was sort of, uh, for me, interesting about doing uh, this sort of dual research thing because you're a guitar player. Yeah. I'm a piano player, so distortion isn't something that I've ever really messed a lot with. I think I did actually try a pedal once with a piano, and it was yeah. kind of fun. Try to phase pedal the distortion pedal or something. Well,
1: like a Wurlitzer, oftentimes they will Oh yeah, put you know, the electric distortion pianos. in the, yeah, get yeah. a little bit of a gain situation. Yeah. Which, maybe before we move on, let's talk about what distortion is. Let's let's
0: wait one second. Just let
1: me okay. wrap up what you're you saying. Go. I
0: know. I just, I think what you said totally correlates to what you see when you start researching the history too because it all emerged from that desire for these guys, these guitar players to come up with something to alter their sound. Yeah. Yeah,
1: To alter their sound. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I pulled a little bit of a, I'll just read my definition and then you can take back over. Um, let me just pull it up here. Wait a sec. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You do that. Okay. Distortion. D- distortion. Hello. Distortion. She's so friendly and kind of timid today. She's just like, copy and paste this whole definition and just stick it in there and see. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> see what uh, she says. Uh, <laughs> we remember we never figured out how to do that. actually. Well, we right. did on some other thing. Some other device. Ad, but yeah, yeah. we yeah. can
0: get one word at a time out of this girl. That's why we miss <laughs> Marilyn. <laughs>
1: I think it was Marilyn. Marilyn I, I swear know. to God, it was Jared. I'm going to let us bucks. know who it was. Okay. okay, so distortion, or a better descriptive word, overdrive, that really describes how they initially would get the effect of having uh, a distorted sound, um, the sound that many described as like fuzzy or gritty, um, and oftentimes today you'll hear about, oh, how much dirt do you have on your guitar? So it's it's definitely grungy. It's edgy. It's that sound. Um, I say
0: that, but then I always just want you to clean it off. because
1: <laughs> Just cleans the it's guitar because there's all the fingers uh, sweat on there. Yeah.
0: Different kind of dirt. Okay. So,
1: yeah, that sound has really impacted the world of music. It um, can be found in a lot of different genres, um, and it's been, like we talked about, used on many different instruments, like the guitar, the keyboard. It's been used on vocals. It's been used on a harmonica, brass instruments like a trumpet, um, the bass guitar for a cool synth effect. And then even a lot of percussive stuff, uh, drum kits, to kind of get an isolated, sure. uh, or what do you want to call it, edgy track for, for drums. It's used a lot of time in that. But kind of the very, to achieve this, the, the very basic distorted sound, uh, from my experience as a guitar player, it's u- utilizing a tube amp. And that was pretty much all they had back in the day when, that, when they kind of first produced this sound was tube amps. Tube amps, yep. And how you do it is you increase the gain on these amps. So you're, you're driving the amplifier um, hard. Um, you drive it until the sound being amplified pushes past the, what do you call it, the maximum level um, of oh, the, that gain, of the volume.
0: And it's the tube originally, right? And it's right? The, the tube, tube. yep. Yeah. yep. Okay. And so and basically
1: what so. happens is the signal, the audio signal waves, they begin to get cut off or what we call clip. They start to clip. Which basically just means they're kind of cutting off the top of the wave, the okay. audio wave. Yeah, um, and this gives that really raspy, fat sound because it's it, essentially it's just roughing up that that audio sound, that wave sound, um, and that comes out. And that's that's basically what we associate a lot of times with with rock, metal, those kind of genres is that that distorted, grungy, edgy sound. Right. So so
0: that's what came to be known as the definition. But originally, yeah. right, it was all, like they said, um, a lot of what I had discovered was mostly it was accidental in the beginning. And the, beginning. In the article yeah. that
1: I read, and I, I pretty much pulled a lot of my info from openculture.com, they they started it off that way. And they didn't mention the, ac- the, like, the happy accidents that happened. So okay, go ahead, dude, because I don't have a lot of info on that. Well, one of the
0: first things that I discovered was, and I think... If I'm not mistaken, and I took a few notes and then tried to memorize some of this too, but, or tried to commit it to memory. But one of the first, uh, according to what I read, one of the first actual recordings was Junior, they pronounce it Bernard. I think it's B-A-R-N-A-R-D. Yeah. He played guitar for uh, Bob Wills and his Texas Playboys. Right. And the story I heard there was that he had a tube that it busted or came loose or something like that. And so he had actually, I hope I have the right guy. I think I do, because there were several of these stories about sort of accidents happening. Yeah, And he stuffed a bunch of newspaper. I think it was a Fender amp. Sure, and uh, yeah. Yeah, so he tried to get the the tube to not fall out. So between the tube not functioning properly, perhaps, and then the newspaper, he came up with his sound, which I'm actually going to, I think this is a, Clip of his sound, and it wasn't heavy distortion at first. So honestly. just
1: to uh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, let's see. All good friends stand by. That fat so that's not a. a, a
0: what, what it's was not a heavy the, distortion,
1: but what? What was with the like the announcer voice that was pretty popular back in the day? Because that that almost reminded me a lot too of like Chuck Berry, and he was always like. Well, let me tell you now, you know, the kind of that announcer voice. Well, I think way off topic, but that's no, (laughs)
0: I think it's cool. You brought that up because I remember hearing Bob Wills and his Texas Playboys mentioned in the whole documentary they did about country music on public television. Did you ever watch
1: any of that? No, I remember you talking about that, though, on a a previous
0: episode. It's fascinating. And this is one of the first really um, kind of popular Sold a lot of records, kind of a band. Yeah. And I think they started out as sort of a ballroom square dance kind of a band. So you had this really animated Bob Wills. Kind of a
1: big band. Yeah, almost sound. like
0: narrating. And yeah, nice. and I've heard one of the things he would say to Junior when Junior is going to take a lead. He's like, get
1: it. Get it, Junior. Get it, Junior. That's like uh, Johnny Cash when he used to have his trio. He'd be like... What he would say, something Luther play the boogie or something, because his guitar player was Luther Perkins. Luther, (laughs) Luther, play that boogie. That's awesome.
0: Oh, this is the same.
1: See, I hear that old style,
0: distorted the clipping sound. That was called the well, well, well. well, well, there you go, Barnard Blues. I (laughs) see now, if I had heard that without knowing about the discussion about distortion. I don't know if I would have considered that guitar to even have distortion but once you're kind of listening for it you do hear a little bit of distortion.
1: Yeah, I feel right. like during that era of music it was used pretty it was it was a light thing. It wasn't like what we think about like Metallica these days or a lot of the heavy metal bands it's just like I said saturated. Yeah. Uh if anything it was very used subtly probably because that's the only way they could get it to come out of their amp was just barely coloring the the audio as it comes out.
0: Yeah, they hadn't pushed it. No, they, they
1: hadn't yet. explored to so, where it was going to become. So briefly, before
0: I, yep, I hand ahead. it off, we're going to pass this back and forth a little bit. Um, there, after that, they give credit to several other artists who, and I, th- I think there may have been related stories about. And it may be at this point, at some point in time, and this is early enough as back in the 40s when this was happening, or early 50s, uh, some of the artists started actually sabotaging their amps themselves. Yes. And there's some stories about that, but I'm not sure how, but we'll just give you a little taste of, this is Gory Carter. Nice. And I think he was... he was like an African American blues guitarist, yes. I think. And I we
1: we are just to let you know we're lining up okay essentially perfectly. So I think good. You you mentioned about uh, Junior, and that was kind of my first. I I predicted it was going to be an old blues player or something that had kind of that sound. So for it to be a a, a country dude in the forties, that's kind of cool. Or country well, early rock sound. So keep going though. Sorry. Well, no, no,
0: no, that's good. And and what I'm fascinated by, and why this became more fascinated, was because. Even though the story that I initially saw kind of referred to and gave that guy credit for designing something, mm-hmm. I didn't realize that it was happening so much earlier that people were already having this uh, experience with their guitar and their amp or whatever they yeah. were doing. So yep. um, let's listen just a little bit of Gory here for a second, see if we can hear his. Good
1: morning, like
0: now I'm just wow. hearing piano, though, dang it. Let me get back here. He'll probably do a lead. Yeah. Let's let's take it. Get it, Gory. Cool. Right Very on. Very cool.
1: Very cool. And I can hear it there. He's got a. He's, he's pushing pushing. That's 1949. If I could go back to a time, mm-hmm. that's where I would go to experience that music being played for the first time. Well, and it makes you think, because part of
0: what came into this was the whole advent of rock and roll, and I know so many people credit Elvis. Sure. Was Elvis around in the 40s? Yeah, he was. He was. But young,
1: just like the rest of them, I think pretty young. Whoops,
0: sorry. Uh, My bad. I like it. I I mean, there's a lot of people who are doing... That sounds to me like, you know, blues, rock. Yeah. That was cutting... cutting Cutting a, a swath into the rock and roll world right away there, baby. That's an interesting way to put it. <laughs> Go so ahead. I'm going
1: to dive in, and I think there's going to be a theme here because I got pretty technical with some stuff, and I paid a, a lot of attention to the type of guitar and the amp that they were using. Yeah. So you mentioned that you assumed that it was a Fender amp that a lot of them were playing through. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to jump in there. So just the research that I found... It said that many of the players preferred an early amp to achieve the sound. It was an 18-watt Fender amp called the Super. Um, it was introduced in 1947, utilizing the vacuum tubes, like we talked about, <clears throat> and players would boost the gain until the tubes began to clip, creating that signal break. And then other players at the time uh, that were exploring with the sound were also kind of jumping on and playing that amp. So guys like Chuck Berry, Ike Turner, you mentioned Gory Carter uh and he that song that you just played rock a while some credit that to being the first rock song ever made i think i read that tune what did you say the amp was a fender it's a yeah uh, made in 1947 it's an 18 watt fender super it's called a fender super yeah okay okay
0: I thought it for some reason because I saw Rocket 88. I wonder what he's referring I, to. I've heard Rocket 88. 88, but
1: that was a song, wasn't it? That yeah, that was yeah. a song, yeah. Maybe yeah. that's a, a lot of times they would refer to cars. So maybe there was like, oh. well, it couldn't be a card 88. It wasn't 88 yet. So I don't know what they would be Rocket No, but model number 88. Who knows? Oh, we'll, yeah. have, we'll
0: have to look that up, what that song meant too. But okay. Absolutely. And that's the one you said Rocket 88 was at some credit as the first
1: rock so, and roll rock a while was accredited as the first oh that's it. Okay, that you just played yeah gotcha, gotcha.
0: yeah this is uh, this is cool how it's lining up actually too and it's interesting to see as you listen to these clips from these songs how it's evolving mm-hmm. already and it's getting a little edgier yeah. too so I did give a quick listen to one of these it's called Rocket 88 the one I just mentioned whoops here we go Oh, heavy distortion there Yeah, so that's Jackie Brenston, and that was uh, released in, I believe it said 1951. That was released in 1951, cool. and now that's the first time where, for me, the, uh, being a keyboard player as well, I would listen to that and go, yeah,
1: that guitar has distortion yeah, on it. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. I would say, my t- for my taste yeah. in that song, almost yeah. too much distortion. It's it, it's pushing it. But it? It, it's cool and they would often describe the distorted sound as like a fat a fat kind of sound and that kind of serves right there that guitar really filled up the mix. Doom do 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 do. I mean it just was cool. Um, a, a, another way that they were able to get that sound is they invented what's called the humbucking pickup at that time. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And if I remember I'm right, openculture.com, they talked about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. The guy that kind of first invented his humbucking pickup. I don't remember who who what his name was. But around around that same time, and that's kind of where Les Paul, I think, too, took off from there because the Les Paul has humbucker pickups in it as well. Mm-hmm. That was just to get – I think everybody was trying to get a fatter sound at that time.
0: Yeah, well, obviously between – the accidents, the actual sabotage. I know it said yep. later here. Somebody actually, uh, I think I made a note about that, took a pencil and poked a hole in their poked speaker Sure, well. yeah. I'm trying to find it if you've got something, because there was one of these, and it sounded so futuristic in the sense of the way this guitar was produced. And I think it might have been the one. Did you read anything about somebody named Willie Kazard? Nope. No. No, okay. I didn't get that one. Well, if you have got something else, I'm going to see if I can't find him and see if i can find that recording because i think that was the one that really grabbed my ear like i could not believe that it was that old of a song the way the the treatment of the guitar was produced so
1: well i'm going to move forward a little bit at least as far as timeline goes Mm -hmm. and we're going to look at the 60s because that's really i feel like when exploration of sound and everything started to happen and some really iconic uh, musicians really found their tone that they I think they're most noted for. So by 1960s, bands like The Stones, The Kinks, Jimi Hendrix, Marty Robbins in 1961, they kind of made that distorted sound pretty popular. Right. So around this time, introduces a, an iconic amplifier that is a credit for a lot of what we hear today in the more heavy rock or metal scene that use a lot of distortion. And so... Around this time, the 1960s, Marshall Amplification, you've heard of that, the Marshall Amp. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Started to become a kind of a household name for a lot of the guitarists that were playing music at that time. Mm -hmm. And the term crank it to 11. Or turn it up to 11. You've heard that before? Y- yes. That yeah. comes from really these Marshall amps. So most amps at the you time... You know the movie that that came from, right? What Spinal Tap, was yes. it? Yes. Yeah. 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 This uh, one goes to 11. This one goes to, ele- one goes it, it to 11. It was the Marshall amp that really got a credit for it. Most of the amps would just go zero to 10 mm-hmm. if you were going to crank it. Well, Marshall thought it would be a cool thing if they not that it made a huge difference, you know, you really can't tell at that point, but they went ahead and their amps went to 11, mm-hmm. and when you push that gain all the way to 11, man, you were getting just screaming distorted. Cuz distortion also a lot of what you hear is like the harmonic tones that come out of it as well because of the the heavy signal push that you're 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 essentially amplifying. Right. through that and getting those tones that's why like Eddie Van Halen a lot of those like harmonic sounds that he was able to get he really was able to get those because of the manipulation through distortion
0: you know this we have to go back and and visit have you seen spinal tap
1: yeah i have seen spinal you tap have, when's I the have, last have,
0: time you've seen spinal it's been tap?
1: A, it's been a while definitely when i was really into heavy rock and stuff that's when i watched it okay spinal we have tap. to do a movie night and okay. this is interesting because to be honest i didn't realize
0: That Marshall actually had a knob. Yeah, I thought that that was just crank
1: it to eleven. Okay, I thought
0: this was just a reference, and that there was something from my memory of the film, something about like a modification maybe that he did. Yeah, but it's an actual knob. Most amps, and I'll look
1: into it and make sure that I've got I've got my details correct. I've got the facts right uh, because this is cool. But I do remember hearing that you know most of your Fender amps that were pretty popular at that time, a lot of the tube amps. Would have zero to ten on their volume and gain knobs. Okay. Marshall thought it would be cool. They were gonna because it's all distortion is all about pushing it to the to the extreme, pushing that signal yeah. to the maximum point where it starts to get that rough, gritty sound. Marshall came up with putting, giving it to eleven. So it's like it, it kind of created the false sense that it, as a guitar player, you were able to to go further with an amp with the Marshall amp than than others. I hadn't, this is so cool to hear that. And did
0: they still go to 11?
1: Yeah, there's, I think they still, when you, if you get like the nice stacks or the combo amps like that, they they will have on the head unit, they'll have the gain to 11. Uh, You're Googling now. What are you finding? What are you seeing? on? I'm seeing that it
0: actually, yeah, shows it going to 11. Yep. And then there was a reference. Oh, darn it. It just disappeared. I'm going to, I'm going to do this again really quick because there was a reference to spinal tap nice uh let's see if it pops up again here and if not and just go ahead and move on but uh no i think there was a it's obviously that is an actual thing and that's amazing to me because i always assume that was just for for the movie for comedy and they do show a picture of him talking in uh in the movie and, and i forgot tap. yeah spinal tap turns 35 Wow, wow. That was back in 2019 or something like that. So That's awesome. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. So speaking of, yeah, trying to push it okay. that way, I wasn't able to find anything uh, in the song that I did find, I guess. I want to look. At, this makes me want to just jump in and find out more about these guys. <laughs> Willie Kazart okay. was his name, and they mentioned that as well. It was Jackie Brenston and his Delta Cats. We were at Rocket 88, Rock a while. And now we get to a guy where I did find, and I think this is the one where this was maybe one of the first times where they actually had this uh, reaction to music where people thought it was bad and that was going to disturb children and make them bad people. Right. Something like that. So right. this was, have you
1: ever heard of Link Ray? Link Ray. No, I, I don't think, I don't, but he was probably, didn't he have something to do with kind of the start of this Go ahead, just go ahead, because I maybe have heard this.
0: No, I've never heard of him, and they say he's the one that used a pencil and stabbed, stabbed his stabbed it, okay. stabbed his speaker. So that may have been one of the first famous stories about actual intentional sabotage yeah. to your equipment. Yeah, uh, I'd never heard of him before, and when I listened to the song, kind of blew my mind. It was called Rumble. So let's take a listen to a little bit of Rumble, and hopefully, it comes in in a good spot here. <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, there's a distortion on that. Yeah, and that's that's not even as
0: heavy as the first. Okay that that's it's pretty heavy, but that might not even be the one that I heard in this little video that I watched because there was something else.
1: And that might be the Willie Kazart song, and I'll have to...
0: Okay. If I don't find it on this episode, we'll explore it Let's later See, on. that
1: song, he really but, had more of a shimmering sound with the distortion. It kind of gave the harmonic shimmering. You yeah. can hear all the different little harmonic tones that are coming out of that distorted sound, and he that and he got that by poking the speaker with a pencil. That's so. what it says, yeah. Oh, very yeah, cool. He did that. You know, Jimi Hendrix was accredited for a lot of the the things... He got a lot of the sounds out of his guitar before they were invented just by experimenting with taking stuff apart or messing with it or whatever. Even the sound of his guitar when he lights it on fire on that, that famous video when he, when he kind of kneels and he throws the gas on it. I mean, you can hear kind of the, the crackling and what it does to the, the pickups. Like, that was just a time of exploring sound and pushing the limit. And that's really, I feel like, the birth of distortion. was just we push something to its end or and and you know you got this crazy tone that's that's well, awesome
0: and then did you d- does yours continue on cuz you mentioned jimmy
1: not not really? focused but part- it, really that's what i've got is it, it would continue on and then basically just all the other uh bands that would play martial amps and stuff so i'm i pretty much gave you gave you the farm here at this point. Uh,
0: that's good though this is good because we we had a few things that were not not sort of opposed. I was I was almost thinking that the way it looked originally, other than speculation about when somebody first did it or what was the first song. Yeah, it does kind of follow a historical timeline. Right. That stays fairly accurate. Excuse me. Wh- I did take while while a- you're eating a freaking <laughs> banana.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, to add some coffee. Gotta have something to eat. Oh God. I'm gonna have to do that. Well, mine after Willie Kazart and Ray Link. Uh, they were still talking about people. Uh, you remember the song, You Really Got Me Going? Girl, Girl you really, really got, got me, me now. now. But
1: that's not the Van Halen version. The, the no. one that, the Who originally wrote it? Dave Davies, and I think it was The Kinks. The Kinks, yes. Yeah, okay.
0: and I had no idea uh, that that song was as old as it, as it is. It's almost as old <laughs> as me. It was, it was 1964. Oh, wow, and you were 66? 65. <laughs> You bet I was 66 back then. Yeah, I'm, I'm now 120-something.
1: Nah, no, we
0: won't go there, but it's about, as it's about as old as me. Anyway, he took a razor blade and sliced his uh, speaker
1: in like two places. Oh, geez. So that's got to do more than you're not really pushing the signal. If anything, that's just a, you're getting probably the clipping sound from the dam- the physical damage. And as the speaker is vibrating, it's probably making that that crackle sound.
0: Well, you would think, but I mean, still, we're still in the early sixties in the, in the era of distortion where they're having to create it by sabotaging.
1: I was going to say, but at least with, when you're pushing the gain, you can always go back to your clean channel. Once you, once you ruin that speaker, your only choice is a distorted guitar, like a distorted sound after that. So they're, they're going pretty, I mean, they're going to an extreme to get this sound. They are. And
0: I, I think that's, um. To me, that's what's most fascinating almost about this is just the fact that that they made such an effort yeah. to try these different things. So I've got one more and then you get to where what I did discover is comes back to the story that I read is that Glenn Snotty, uh, what happened is actually Marty Robbins in 1961, his bassist had a sound of distortion that was due to a faulty connection or circuit in the mixing board. Oh, wow. So we'll hear a little bit about that one. So there's a lot that happened before that. So I can't, I I don't think you can give credit to that being the first application of distortion. But what happened after that is the studio engineer who was named um, Glenn Snoddy, he reverse engineered what was going on in the circuitry and he actually developed the first pedal. The first fuzz pedal. Oh yes. So it was called the Maestro Fuzz Tone. And so now you actually had the option and guitar players could um, could turn it on or off if they wanted to and they didn't have to destroy their equipment. Okay, I think that's
1: it, so. the pedal that the rolling that Keith Richards, the Rolling Stones use. I think that's the one.
0: I think it may have been. Yes, it says that it was utilized first on satisfaction. There you like, go. With Keith That's Richard. the pedal. Yeah, he made that pretty popular with that stuff. He did. And what it, what they said is originally that the sales were kind of lukewarm, and you could imagine that. You know, not everybody's going to jump on this. And it's kind of at that time.
1: Pedal. It was like the devil tone, right? It was like the devil sound. Oh it Sounded yeah. evil and crackly and not. Yeah. Pretty.
0: Yeah. If, if some yeah. people probably liked it. Some people didn't. Yeah. But we're getting to that point where we're almost to where rock and roll is really starting to emerge. There okay. was another gentleman named Ivor Arbiter. Arbiter.
1: Huh.
0: Ivor Arbiter. He did a similar product, which was called Fuzz Face. Have you ever heard of a Fuzz Face? No. You should get a fuzz face, i got a little bit of a fuzzy yeah, face. Yeah, other than your your uh, shadow there. That's a little yeah. more than a 5 <laughs> o'clock shadow. But that's when it really started to take off because Jimi Hendrix yep. had a fuzz face and he used it on per, uh, Are You Experienced? Oh, okay. And Purple yeah. Haze. And Purple then Haze. you had mentioned Jimi <laughs> messing <laughs> with his sound and yeah. pushing things. Yep. So I think that's when now we're getting to the point where this is becoming... This is a thing. What turned into the whole desire of, you know, essential hard rock in the 70s and the 80s was, I mean, distortion was essential to that. And
1: that was kind of the start of it becoming a digital sound as well. You could digitally replicate a lot of these sounds that these guys were getting by damaging their amps or pushing the tubes too hard or whatever. Yeah. Well, nowadays it's so easy to get that heavily saturated, distorted sound just by a hundred-dollar guitar pedal. Isn't that cool? That it's now so you don't good. have to. I mean, if you want, you know, you can still go and muck up your amp, Jared. I think you should. Do that yeah, today, you sure. can. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I mean, that's just technology in in its greatest form. It's just making the process easier. Um, and allowing for the creative mind to carry on even further when I mean, it's easier to get these tones, then yeah. you push that even farther and you push that even farther. I mean, we're seeing that with music today with a lot of the electronic sounds. Mm-hmm. They're able to push frequencies to a point where we've not heard that before.
0: well and how how entertaining, funny that as as much as we've talked about music and I've discussed music in my life and been an, been a musician, yeah, that this is one of those things where I'm just excited to find something like this out that I didn't know before. I mean, I've probably heard bits or pieces of it. Right. But had not realized how something that became, like they said, it's the lifeblood of rock and roll, metal, punk. Right. And without distortion, that really wouldn't have emerged the way it did, and it started as just an accident.
1: And would so. the rebellious anarchist sounds and political movement through music mm-hmm. be as effective if they didn't have the harsh sounds that this distortion sound brought. One wonders. This is the benefit for us as the hosts of this podcast, is we know bits and pieces through our life of, of certain historical events. Tiny, tiny, little bits. Titty, tiny, tiny, <laughs> little bits, exactly. <laughs> but after right. doing the research, this is cool. I appreciate this so much more and the history of it. Mm-hmm it's it's it, it I'm envious because we don't live in an a era now where we're able to pioneer a lot of sounds a lot of what you hear has been yeah. done before yeah and a lot of the music and, and combination of chords and and how you uh, the composition might come out is we're running out of room in a sense and I could just be jaded in that sense but you know some some younger producer might, argue with me that no, there's still plenty of exploring. And there totally is. Music is is creative and it's all in how you interpret it. It's your millennial angst. It's my millennial angst. We come back full circle. Well, I think
0: you make a good point, but I also think that in some ways it's when you get to that point where it seems like everything has been figured out and technology has done this, you do start to hear little stories. And that could be Perhaps an idea for a segment down the road is what are people doing? And I know there are, you do hear stories now and then. uh, I forget who the, it's not Victor Wooten, but I believe his brother who plays with Bela Fleck. And after I saw him at a a concert and then a seminar in Rapid, he was showing how he was making uh, his own instruments. He had something that he had created. That he played. So there are still people that are trying to push that envelope, and I'm sure there are still accidents that happen now and then. Oh yeah, Absolutely. that end up getting utilized. But it does, you know, it's gotten so full of so many devices and so much technology yeah. that you almost yearn for something like that.
1: Well, and it encourages so, the new era of musicians to go back to some of those original sounds. Yeah, A lo- what's really popular with a lot of ritzy stuff or Americana stuff is to go back and record on two inch tape yeah. or to get that two inch, two inch tape, yeah. retro sound, the, the, yeah, the I mean, small little hum or hiss that you might hear. Yeah. That's cool. That's coming back. And if we go back to it, we may be able to discover more.
0: I think well. so. And it makes me want to explore. I'm the, it's blowing my mind and of course, they're not the only ones. But several of the names mentioned in this are people that I've never listened to before, and I can't wait to sit down, listen a little more to Junior, listen to Gory, listen to Howlin' Wolf. That's one I didn't love mention. Howlin Wolf. How Slope
1: many more years? Lightning.
0: Oh, you know Howlin' oh, Wolf. Oh, I love okay. that
1: music. Yes,
0: good. Willie Kazart, uh, Link Ray, all of these people who were on the cutting edge. And cutting their speakers. (laughs) Literally cutting their speakers. Cutting their speakers. I, I do believe that maybe, because it was Link Ray. Yep. Okay, on a track called Rumble. And that's the one that led me to think that this was sounding like something you would hear later, not back in the 40s or 50s. But I'm starting to wonder because the track I found, the original track when I was reviewing it, didn't sound quite as intense. So I'm thinking maybe this got a little remastered.
1: Oh, okay as well sure but, but check this out as far as something this I, is in the 40s or 40s or 50s that kind of time
0: i i believe actually that it was back around the yeah it the it 50s? says the 50s okay. it was like the early 50s so okay so i'm listen, ready listen listen to this <laughs> that's some heavy distortion baby
1: yeah That's it, like seventies rock, man. Yeah, yeah, maybe a
0: today, but later or even grunge or yeah, yeah or something along you. those lines. Jeez, that's
1: this, cool. And I said that that was the one. People I bet, people, yeah. Go ahead. I bet we're going the same place. Go ahead. That I bet that was not received. Mm. Either it was either people thought it was super cool or they were like, "What's this." This devil music you playing, son? I, I, I think
0: I, yeah, you're exactly. That's probably why we never heard of Link Ray. He got he got chased out of town. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was said that they were worried it was going to cause gang fights. I think. Is oh, the, of course. Is the quote yeah. that I read <laughs> from that? Ah, uh, some of these people were ahead of their time. Ahead of their time. Way ahead of their time. So, and now uh, we dang can,
1: man, what a good episode. That's a cool topic. Um, I'm stoked.
0: Yeah, I'm glad we stumbled
1: upon it. It's it's something. For me, I, I'm learning a
0: lot. And That's folks, we just... I mean,
1: we do talk about not every episode beforehand, but this one we did talk about a little bit. But as far as the, the content and the details into what we we've researched, mm-hmm. we don't share that. So it's cool. We lined up. And how cool that they came... How this all came about. This is what's cool about history. This is what... Mm. this is what science isn't made about. But maybe that's the term that I use once in a while when you're referring to that like in concert with
0: one another. In I, I, well, it's hmm. interesting because the last episode we did secondhand songs. Yeah. And we were sort of in concert with one another right. um, sharing that information and this one worked
1: that way too and I I had a lot of fun. Synchronicity. That's Syn- what oh, I'm talking about. That's your word. You use synchronicity. Thank yeah. you for saying that. I can sleep tonight. Not serendipitous. Finally. Synchronicity. That was the police song. That course, was yes. the police
0: yes, song. Uh, Connecting principal Carl Young. There you go. And now we're going to listen to Marty Robbins. Take us and out. That distorted bass that led to the advent of the fuzz pedal.
1: Thank you guys for listening. <laughs> Thank you. Outside the mic. Is that a little too loud? Thanks for joining us. Uh, check us out:
0: www.outsidethemike.com and all podcast streaming platforms. Thanks, outsiders.